Well, I finally unearthed the superpower that I have been bequeathed with in my life, and that is that I can make minute rice in 57 seconds. Yeah, so suck it, Uncle Ben. Dun 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 do they even play that theme anymore for football? Is that Monday Night? That's Monday Night Football on CBS. I don't even know anymore. I don't know with all these channels. Do people watch regular TV? Is it? Can you even get regular TV anymore? Like ABC, CBS, are those? Is that a thing anymore? NBC, do they even exist? Is that like, is that are, are those channels turning into like the fax machine of our day, you know, or the checkbook of our of our existence, you know? When was the last time I, I, I can't think of the last time I used a check. Is that even legal anymore? Can you just give somebody like? This promissory note that says, I owe you $38. This is as good as money. <laughs> but, uh, God, yeah, Monday night, I haven't watched, in the traditional sense of Monday Night Football, I haven't seen that since, I mean, it's been ages. Dun, 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 dun. Boy, yeah, I don't, yeah, you got to go to like YouTube TV now, or you get like direct TV or satellite or dish or what is all, I don't even know, like, oh man, I'm, I'm not tech savvy, obviously, um, you know, there's like, bootleg.ou or bootleg.au or some funky, you know, app, some app, some AIAE sports or some shit. If you download this and you cross-check this, cross-reference that with this, and then you type in the secret password, you can watch this game live. I don't know. I think we overcomplicate ourselves or overcomplicate our situations with this shit. Everyone's trying to look for some, some some new loophole, some new pathway. But it's football playoffs. Playoffs! As the great Jim Morris said in that horrible Colts press, press conference. That's a soundbite he, I wish, I'll bet he wishes he had back. Playoffs! <laughs> he just, he jumped a few octaves. He was like Prince all of a sudden. Back in the day, Jim Mora talking. Are we going to the playoffs? Playoffs! classic shit. That'll never die. That soundbite will never die. But yeah, Monday Night Football, man, I remember, I matter of fact, in my feed, in my Russian troll farm feed on YouTube, uh, it dredged up an oldie but goodie, and that was, I didn't really, you know, I, I've talked about it in the past about watching, I was watching Monday Night Football 1980, it was a Monday night, obviously. It was December 8th, 
when John Lennon was shot and they announced it on the air. And I, I remember watching that on my black and white TV set that I saved up 60 bucks for. And you just, you plugged it in. You just, you brought it home, you plugged it into the wall. You got the local, you got three, four, four channels. There was like three, 10, 13, and 40, but 40 was kind of like a little fade, a little staticky. So, but it was black and white. Yeah, I, had, I bought a black and white TV set when I was nine years old to watch Monday Night Football. And the game that I was watching, I didn't realize, but I watched, I saw the clip when Howard, how the late great Howard Cosell announced it on Monday Night Football, broke into the middle of broadcast. John Lennon was shot in front of his apartment building. And it, it was during the oil, the Houston Oilers and the New England Patriots. Yep. What a game. The Oilers, the Houston Oilers. They're not even that doesn't I don't know what what did they become? Houston Oilers. They're not they're not they didn't become the Houston Texans because the Houston Texans were a brand new franchise that started from scratch. It's funny what teams used to be like like the Browns didn't exist for a minute, like for a year. They did. Uh, what happened? They, Art Modell, sold to the Baltimore. The original Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and then they started a brand new Cleveland Browns from scratch. Yeah, isn't that weird? And let's see. The, God, there's so many derivatives of like from the old. AFL before they merged like the da like the Kansas City Chiefs used to be like the Dallas Texans or something it goes way it just crazy shit like you know way back in the way back in the day like in you know the 1500s there was like the Boston Beaners <laughs> and like the and like the you know Los Angeles lily pads you know, shit like this crazy shit, weird shit, you know, the, the, the Bakersfield Bowery boys, <laughs> did they become like, what did they become? Like the fucking San Diego Chargers. How weird. Matter of fact, the LA, the, the San Diego Chargers used to be the LA, Char they were the LA Chargers before they were San Diego Chargers. Now they're the LA Chargers again. It's so weird. But yeah, the Oilers and the Patriots were playing on Monday night, 1980, December 8th. Bum Phillips was the coach. Bum Phillips, father of Wade Phillips, who went on to coach the Broncos, the Cowboys. Where is he now, Wade Phillips? He's probably a coordinator somewhere. But his dad was a great coach, Bum Phillips. Coach of the Houston Oilers. Houston, they had, a, they had a song. Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. You know, great team. Man, what a great. They had some really good teams too, but they could never, never pull it together when, you know, when they needed to. They had, back in that, well, in that game, 1980 would have been like Dan Pastorini was a quarterback. He was number seven. Then there was the great Earl Campbell, number 34, who's just a beast. That guy's a beast. He, uh, boy, the years haven't treated him well. I don't know, is he still, I don't know if he's still alive. He, 
he took on some bad post game type head trauma like he was at the he was doing he was in a rough rough patch for a while but man that guy was a that guy was a beast he was one of the original greats just earl you just couldn't stop he was just a just a monster but uh it's playoff time it's playoff time and uh if last weekend was any indication of what to expect there was some good like the bills look on point but they're playing a they played a young new england team like that's a young those guys are like mac jones he's a rookie mac jones is a rookie but the bills nevertheless they look good they're going to square, and then so based on that win, they're going to square off against the Chiefs. That's going to be a good game. Um, Bill Burr's picking, I think. He's, he's, he seems to think that the Bills should steamroll the Chiefs. I don't know. That's going to be, you got to play the game, man. Chiefs will have home field adv uh, advantage. And it's hard to it's hard to punk the Chiefs at Arrowhead, that's for sure. So that's gonna be a great game. Then you got the Niners outlast and them boys. Are we them boys? Fucking cowboys and their fans, my god. How awful would it have been to be a cowboy fan in Dallas, in the big D, when the ump blew the whistle on the end of that game. This this game's over. Clock ran out go home and they're scrambling to make one last play because they were down six points all they needed <laughs> and they were on like the 30 25 30 yard line some shit good lord man but uh so niners came back and uh well they well they didn't come back they held off they held them off barely kyle shanahan Kind of escaping the ghost of his past, the ghost of the ghost of Super Bowl Fifty One, where he melted down on a twenty-eight-three lead in the third, with like what five minutes left in the third in the Super Bowl. You got a twenty-eight-three lead, bro, and you shit the bed like that. But he outlasted him. He outlasted that clock in Dallas. So now they're going to play the Packers, Packers, Niners. I think the Packers are going to skull fuck the Niners. The Niners are good. Niners will be that team like they're like, man, it's good to be here, but I think we got a little lucky. But I liked them last. I for some reason I, I figured they'd beat the Cowboys. And I don't I don't know why, because on paper, I don't you know. Well, it's kind of pointless to go into like a player for player you know like quarterback for quarterback because the game's over but I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan but I think he's better than Jimmy G and I like Jimmy G expatriate you know what I'm saying Jimmy G's got a couple rings but uh but I think he's going to um he's going to get skull fucked by um Aaron Rodgers and the pack in Lambeau, that's a hard, hard place to win, and especially in January, where it's very cold. Um, that place is like a church, it's like a cathedral. It's like where you go to worship the gods of football. 
and it's going to be cold and unforgiving that day. The ghosts of Ray Nitschke and Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr and Jan Stenerud, the great Green Bay Packer kicker. Uh, it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be ugly. Then you got the Bucks and the Rams, and I think that'll be a good game. I think the Rams have a little more going on, though. They got some weapons. Um, their guy, this guy Akers, Cam Akers, Cameron Akers came out. Who's this guy? Who's he? He looked good, man. He looked hard, hard to stop. And then you got Sony Michelle backing him up. Of course, Matt Stafford is a He's a, he's a great. He has an interesting stat that um, let's see. Cooper Cup had nineteen hundred and forty-five yards this this season, and the all-time I think the most yards by a receiver in a single season is Calvin Johnson nineteen at like nineteen sixty something, and both quarter. Both guys, their quarterback was Matthew Stafford going head-to-head -head with the GOAT, TB12. Man, this could be a good game, but because what problem is, see, they don't, uh, the Bucks don't have Fournette. They don't have Chris Godwin. That's okay. That's okay, because back in the day when Brady was a Patriot, Belichick would just go down to, like, the local Raley's, and then he'd, like, draft some guy that was bagging groceries and make him, a, make him an all-star somehow, you know, that day. So... Brady hasn't ever had the great receivers, except for, you know, rare occasion he'd have uh, Randy Moss or, you know, you, I mean, you're talking marquee players. I mean, who, what marquee offensive players has he ever, you know, he had Corey Dillon one season, he had Randy Moss for a few seasons, but other than that, I mean, Gronkowski's, you know, he's one of the best tight ends of all time, but, um, you know, he's got injury problems. Julian Edelman's not there, you know. Uh, he's a great one, but I wouldn't call him one of the greats of all time. But he's great for those roles, the role-playing, you know. So that Rams-Bucks game is going to be, oh, man, it's going to be good. It makes me think of back in, uh, back in, what, 2000 when Kurt Warner beat the Bucks as a Ram when he was when he took the Rams to their first Super Bowl. And uh it was the Bucks and the Rams and the Bucks had uh, uh was, that was the Warren Sap days, the work done, uh Brad Johnson, who doesn't get a lot of credit, but that guy won a Super Bowl. He's got a ring. But uh yeah and that was a weird scoring game. It was like eleven to five or something. I think the Buccaneers got robbed too. Like they, they should have won that game. But then Warner came back, and then they beat the Titans in the Super Bowl, barely. Dyson was lunging for that last yard on that last play, the last reception of the Super Bowl, and came up a yard short. Damn, just like that cow. It's like that Niner Cowboy game. Just ran out of time. Just ran out of time. But give it up for Kurt Warner, though. They made a whole movie about him. So he earned it, you know. And then, uh, but yeah, so we got, so got Rams-Bucks. We got Niners. 
Packers, then you go to the AFC and you've got um, Bengals, Titans. That'll be really interesting because Titans are like the sleight of hand team. Ryan Tannehill is not a marquee quarterback. He's like the Trent Dilfer of of uh, of our of our era, you know. When you think back of that 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 uh, Ravens team of ninety nine two thousand, where they went three games in the regular season without scoring an offensive touchdown and still won the games. That's nasty. But you don't need a quarterback for that. That's why Trent Dilfer is the best. <laughs> But Ryan Tannehill is just like a notch above. He's a notch. I'd say he's a notch above Trent Dilfer, but not by much. But those Bengals don't sleep on them, man. I mean, that's a tough team. That's a tough team, you know. They catch a groove. So that'll be a good game. And then finally, the fucking Chiefs and the fucking Bills. Boy, that's going to be... That's going to be... Some prison rules shit right there. You know, that's going to be a street fight. Uh, you got two guys that can sling it, man. You got Mahomes and you got um, our boy Josh Allen from Fireball, California, University of Wyoming. Two places and schools that pff, nobody knows about. Coming out of nowhere. Coming out of woodwork. And that guy can throw it. You know, he's got that weird country retard strength, too. So, you know, he can throw, like, 85-yard passes and stuff. So the two of them, it's going to be a gun. They're gunslingers. It's going to be a shootout. So I can't wait. Like, it's going to be good. And it's going to be one of those, like, at the end, the end of, like, the end of the weekend, you're going to be, you know, with all this depressing January weather, you're going to be like, man, that was the that was the best. Now i got to go back to my dreary existence that sucks. But I don't know. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Super Bowl is usually the day that uh, there's the highest rate of domestic violence. You know, particularly when your team loses. But uh, wow. But this episode is devoted entirely to football. Football. And uh, so it's also. The 97th episode? So I'm getting close. I'm getting close to the triple digits. So uh, in honor of uh, kind of a, uh, kind of a, as a, as a pregame, kind of a tailgate celebration to the 100th episode, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a countdown, folks. I'm going to do, is it a great jersey or is it a great year? So starting with, I'll start with episode, episode 97. So was it 1997? Or who had the, who had the best, you know, who was the best 97 on the field, right? You follow me? Well, first things first, I just want to clarify that uh, in the war on drugs, it sounds like drugs won. And the reason I say that is because I have an immense uh, heart or an empathetic view on, you know, the homeless situation, as would mm, the average the average human being. I, I, if, you know, 
as a human, human to human, does anybody like to see anybody other, anybody else suffer? I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. I mean, there are contrary examples, but by and large, we don't necessarily, you know, that, that would be very cruel. That would be a very cruel take on life to willingly want someone to suffer. But, but when I, in the realm of drugs specifically, I, um, I look at, you know, all these people holding signs at the stoplights and the turn lanes and the streets, the sidewalks and stuff like that. And there's always that, you know, you always talk to somebody say about like, oh, you know, I, I gave so, you know, I ran into a homeless guy and I, I wanted to give him money, but I knew he'd, I knew he'd spend it on drugs. Well, you know, looking back on things now, retrospectively, it's probably more damaging. You know, if you if you were to give them just food instead, hopefully it's a like a salad or something. But inevitably, they would probably they wouldn't want that salad, even though that's healthy. But if you gave them like like a slice of pizza or you gave them like some a box of cupcakes or donuts to eat well it turns out that's probably just as bad if not worse for their health than drugs I mean depends on which drugs right I guess that's the question but uh, but yeah I guess the long and the short of it is I don't know what they would do with the money but if they bought food with it all the amount of saturated fats and preservatives and sugar and corn syrup and glucose and it's probably ultimately worse than if you just gave them a bag of weed right because like weed like weed's good <laughs> but even now like all the psychedelics the psychedelics are uh, you know if I was homeless and I was holding a sign that said hungry I would much rather receive a bag of mushrooms than I would a sandwich from like Subway because Subway that's not even like is that even real meat I mean is that real bread is that is any of that real is any of that healthy I don't think I don't I think that's more corrosive to your system than it would be getting a bag of mushrooms because at least you take some mushrooms and you can say you can sort some things out you know you have a good night you know it's kind of an appetite suppressant you're not hungry you're kind of you know delving into some personal issues maybe that you can kind of work out therapeutically so in the war on drugs drugs won and drugs drugs kicked kicked all that fucking corrosive bad food kicked their ass you know and it was a weird take and it's a weird twist on things but before I get to the whole list of I don't know I was going to go down this list of jersey numbers but I, I, today I, I found this out while I was looking at, I was listening to my Spotify channel, Modern Psychedelia. Speaking of, speaking of taking acid. Um, and one of the, and it's just a random, it's a play, it's like a six hour playlist. And it's just, you know, it's got all the usual, like it's got, uh, 
Well, like that that dude, uh, who was it I was talking about? Shuggy. Shuggy or Shuggy? S-H-U-G-G-I-E. Shuggy. Shuggy, Shuggy. And Foxygen, like the the sexiest, sexiest air you could ever breathe, you know? But it's also got like Tame Impala, you know, of course. You know, they're, they're trippers, they're head, they're heads. And, but I forgot, man, I forgot about my boys, the Flaming Lips. And sure enough, they popped on with, uh, they, they worked their way into this shuffle with uh, a song called Flowers of Neptune 6. I'm like, ooh, okay, the song's already speaking to me. And it came, well, it didn't show which album, so I did some searching, because it's a great, it's a really melodic song. It's kind of a Bowie thing. It's got kind of a Bowie thing going on, a little bit of Beatles in there. And, uh, but it's really cosmic. It's kind of like that supersonic. It's kind of a sonic tripper. And it's from an album called American Head, which is just the epitome of, well, what the Flaming Lips are going on about, right? And what a great title, too. And it's like, it's really, but it's really kind of melancholy. It's really kind of like, uh, oh, it's kind of, it's reminiscent of, say, like a, like a, it's perfectly, it's perfectly time. It's very timely because of the time of year, for one, for me. You know, I look at um, kind of uh, this time of year. I I look at things differently. I respond to things differently. You know, the winter sun is very different than the summer sun. The summer sun is just relentless, but the winter sun is more distant. And when and when the the sun from you know it's it's this time of year, I want to be out like in the high desert, you know, and I want to be out on a sunny day, but a wintry sunny day when the sun is further away, but it's kind of just bathing you in this weird melancholy glow, right? And, uh, and that's what most of that album I was listening to today. And that's what it, it, it really reminded me of. And, uh, so it was, yeah, it was really, it was, it was, it was kind of, it was, it was definitely, uh, there was some acid, there's some acid play going on there. Um, there was, well, if, if I had to, if I had to really kind of, uh, well, okay, so let me put it this way. So the song that drew me in was Flowers of Neptune. Boom, psychedelic. Um, there was a, and what I didn't realize as well is that it only came out last, or two, two, less than two years ago in 2020. It's their, like their 16th album or something. And, uh, yeah, the, okay, the 16th studio album by Experimental Band of Flaming Lips. Um, and it's got, 
uh, it's got some collaboration with Casey Musgraves, which is I always found interesting. Like the fact that they're from Oklahoma, I believe they're from either Oklahoma City or, or Tulsa. I mean, those are the only two places I know in Oklahoma, so they got to be from one of them, right? <laughs> but but this dude Wayne coined the 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 main guy in uh, the Flaming Lips. He's out. He's definitely out there. Um, a lot of his concerts in the last year are spent. They all, they're all inside these big, clear bubbles. So they play. So they're, they're vac. They're like vacuum sealed inside these little clear, transparent bubbles that they're bouncing around in on stage. It's so, uh, well, it's very mushroom esque, isn't it? But they they do a lot of. C- they do some weird collaborations with some interesting people uh, in, in the past, one being Miley Cyrus. And so I've got to, I got to give a shout out to her because that's a, that's an interesting mix of the flaming lips and Miley Cyrus, but this Casey Musgraves thing, boy, she really nailed it too. She was on, uh, she's on three of the tracks. She does background in the one song flowers of Neptune uh, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, let's see, watching the light, love the light bugs glow. That's the second track. And that's about just doing acid and more, you know, watching light bug, light bugs glow. That's hard to say fast. Light bugs glow, light bugs glow, light bugs glow, light bugs glow. And, uh, and then, on the 12th track, God and the Policeman. So it's a song about God and the Policeman coming for him. And she's doing a, an accompany. It's like a, it's almost like a duet. Anyway, she, I never, I'd never listened to her. She's really good, but it's, what a phenomenal, what a, what a strange collaboration, huh? But, but one track that really hit me was, uh, and I'd heard, you know, I'm a, I, I, I kind of follow Wayne Coyne on Instagram because he's so out there, right? And, uh, but the Flaming Lips, they're, you know, like their song, you know, she don't use Vaseline or she don't use, what was it? She don't use jelly. Yeah, I think it's she don't use jelly. So it's about the song about this guy that was a girl that'll make you breakfast, but she'll make you toast. But she doesn't put, um, she doesn't put jelly on it or any or butter or anything. She puts Vaseline on it, and every in each chorus, or uh, yeah, each 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 um, each segment of the song kind of rhymes with the other. So, so the second the second verse is about this guy that. When he blows his nose, he doesn't use Kleenex or his sleeve. He uses magazines. So she's butter and toast with Vaseline. He's blowing his nose with magazines. And then finally, the girl, let's see, in the third verse, the final verse, the girl keeps her her hair orange. She uses, she doesn't use anything from a store. She uses tangerines, of course. So instantly, I'm already sold on this guy, right? And so um, he's from Oklahoma. He's got this wild look, outlook. On, you know, he's, you got to give him credit for his outlook because every 
interview I've ever listened to him, whether it be on a radio or a podcast or a uh, or on TV. I don't, have I ever seen? I don't know. Seems like I've watched him on like Letterman or something. I don't know. And he's out there, but he's got this weird. He's grounded in. He's grounded in reality for being such a such an American head, like a tripper like that, you know? And the story he told on one of the interviews that I'd listened to him on was about when he was, uh, uh, must have been in high school maybe, or maybe just out of high school, he worked at Long John Silver, and uh, they were taken at gunpoint. The store got robbed, and he was taken at gunpoint, and he just thought to himself, well, this could be the end. You know, this is how it all ends, you know, in a long John, I work in, work in a register at Long John Silver, you know, dressed as a pirate. The guy's got a gun to his head, but he obviously lived. But so the ninth track of the album, American Head, was uh, Mother Please Don't Be Sad, which basically takes into, uh, it basically he basically extrapolates the reaction if he would to be shot, like to tell his mother, don't be sad. Like, you know, life still goes on. And, but it's such a, it was such a, uh, well, it's a really touching song too. The whole album is really, man, it really got me. It just something, something about the time of year and just the weather. And I don't know, just thinking about my own son, you know, working over at KFC <laughs> and just how innocent people can be and how innocent people are and how time just happens and things, you know, time just keeps moving on, even though it's a construct, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation, but nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, time just keeps marching on, you know, and it's, I don't know how, but we do. We keep moving on and we keep going forward and you just, you, you can't help but be swept up in it, right? I mean, when things, like when death surrounds you like that, you know, maybe it's the fact that fallout of knowing that you've kind of gone through an episode like that, that you've kind of faced it and now you've, now everything's, great everything's amazing you know like in like in fight club when this is in the movie not the book but when uh the brad pitt character pulls the guy out of the the little gas and sip the little the little gulp and blow the little convenience store and um He's t- he's asking, "What's your name? What's his, what's your name? Give me your light. Let me see. Give me your give me your uh, give me your wallet." And his name was like I can't remember. Was it Raymond or something like that? He's a like, Raymond. What are you doing? You working? What do you want to be? What do you you know? What do you want to be? Ultimately, what do you want to do? I want to go to. He said, "I wanted to go to school." He goes, "Why aren't you in school?" He's like, "I want to. What are you gonna do? What what, kind, what do you want to study?" I don't. He's like, he's about ready to shoot him. You know, he's got a gun to the back of his head he's got this poor guy on his knees took you know he came out of the little mini mart there put him on the ground and he was about ready to 
put a bullet in the back of his head. He said, well, what were you studying when you were in school? He, he said, well, I was going to be a, I think he said a veterinarian. He said, well, you need to go back to school. If you don't go back to school, I will kill you. You know? And uh, so the guy, you know, he he almost got his his brains blown all over that parking lot. So the Brad, you know, so he just so the Brad Pitt character, Tyler Durden, he says, Tomorrow that guy's gonna wake up and it's gonna be the greatest day of his life. And he said, but while he was there, he said, if I don't, I come, I'm going to come back in a month. And if, I don't, if you're not in school, I'm going to kill you. So that's quite an agreement. But yeah, the next morning, if you, you know, something like that happens to you. You just like, you start appreciating everything, don't you? My God. I mean, drugs are no, drugs are not, you know? I mean, you get, you get to stare death like that in the face and it's, the next day is like the greatest day of your life. It's like, it forces you to be present. It's like that, again, it's like that, uh, that, that Netflix, that Netflix, uh, documentary about the kid from Canada, uh, Mark Andre Leclerc, he was the climber, the free climber, who was uh, an alpinist. But so he's climbing ice rock, you know. I mean, climbing ice flows, climbing ice walls, you know, stuff that's melting and chipping apart and coming away and breaking off. And I think I'd mentioned, you know, in a couple of podcasts ago, how his girlfriend would climb with him. But but when you're in those states of, you know, and and getting out. Speaking of acid, this is a guy took a this kid took a lot of acid. This kid Leclerc. But I don't know if it was a component in what inspired him to go do what he did, but I mean Yeah, he literally was facing death every time he every time every step he took, every grip, every handhold that he he used, every time he dug his pickaxe into the ice flow every time he kicked his crampons into the ice for a foothold death was all around him you can't you can't afford but not be present you have to be present you know so that's yeah, weird it's interesting but shows how much you kind of take for granted in life you know I mean do you want to be forced at gunpoint to reevaluate your life probably not but that's a that was a great album, man. American Head. That's I, I highly recommend it. The Flaming Lips, if you if you uh, if you have the opportunity. But getting back to football, back to the first things first. By the way, if you play this episode backwards, it will tell you how to get half off on a Disneyland all day pass. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. We'll tell you shit, but. But you can try it. Let me know. But uh, but one last thing about the the, the album though it 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 uh, I don't know, it had some really good. It took a, a 
I don't know, everything sounded a lot like it was almost like an acid experience itself. Lots of reverb. You know, the vocals sounded like they were via satellite. It was kind of disjointed in certain parts. And, uh, I don't know, it sounded like somebody kind of evaluating or looking back on their own life. But it was, oh man, it was good. Anyway, American Head. American Head. Dig it. And so getting back to... So what I wanted to do was... I had this weird... I had this weird scheme where I would... The closer I got to 100 episodes, I would start doing a countdown. Even though this is only 97, I could start. And there's, of course each number is associated with some great fo- there's some great football player in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame the Football Hall of Fame why Why it's in Canton, Ohio I don't know what the hell else is in Canton, Ohio you know probably the last Long John Silver I don't know but they did a uh, so the, the, the concept being of course it's either a great year, okay. So, the year nineteen ninety nine on down, or it's a great jersey. So, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through this whole list, but we'll see. Starting at ninety nine, we got JJ Watt. <clears throat> oh, we got the year nineteen ninety nine. Now, nineteen ninety nine. Well, that was Y2K. That came and went. 99 was, uh, that was the year that, uh, that W stole the election from uh, old Al Gore, the guy who invented the internet. <laughs> I don't know. That was a crazy, that, uh, 99, that was just interesting. Eh, I don't know. Good quotes and print songs, you know. They say 2000, zero, zero, party over, it's out of 10. So tonight I'm gonna party like it's 1999. Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Warren Sapp was 99. Uh, 98. 98. That was a good year. Actually, that was a good year. Uh, Jersey-wise, I'm not... Um, Robert Mathis of the Colts. Mm, all right. Uh, but 98 as a year, that was a good year. That was the year the uh, the Padres went to the, uh, went to the uh, World Series. They got swept by the Yankees, but that was a good team. 98, that was a bunch of oldsters on that team. That was the late, great Ken Caminiti and uh, Steve Finley in the outfield. Uh, you got Caminiti at third. You got Wally Joyner, Wally World over at first base. Uh, Trevor Hoffman was their reliever. Oh, God. Boy, they had, uh, they had Greg Vaughn. I think Greg Vaughn was one of their big bats from Sacramento. Greg Vaughn. Uh, I think he hit like 30 homers that year. Um uh, Good team, a lot of a lot of older guys that can are kind of on the back foot of their career. 
but uh, they steamrolled the Houston Astros in the AL championships, who were pissed because particularly Ken Caminiti and Steve Finley, a couple of ex-Astros, moved on to greener pastures with the Padres. And guys like Greg, Craig Biggio and uh, Jeff Bagwell, who uh, was on steroids at the time, were, uh, they were calling foul. They were crying foul. They were, they were crying over spilled milk because uh, they thought they, were, they felt like they were beat by a bunch of old retreads. And they kind of were. But then the Padres went on to get swept by the New York Yankees, who uh, paid, f- you know, paid for every one of their players, paid through the nose, so they should have won and they should have swept. So, moving on, 97. Oh, this is going to be a two-parter, I can tell. Might even be a three-parter. Uh, 97, Bryant Young. Mm, are these guys in the Hall of Fame? Is this right? I don't know. 97, that was a decent year. That was the year I got back from Australia and spent 14 months in the bush. Yeah, 97. And, uh, that was uh, the year I got back from spending 20, 20 months, almost two years abroad, just riding my thumb around the UK and Australia. Australia. And... Uh, Yep, I got back in February of 97. Back to life, back to reality. No more fun. Fun's over, everybody. Just like they just like just like the ump when he blew the whistle in the uh, Niners Cowboys uh, wild card game. Show's over, folks. Time to go home. <laughs> All right, number 96. Cortez Kennedy? Sure. All right. One of the great Seattle Seahawks. Uh, as far as years go, 96 was an okay year. Um, let me think. 96. Padres won. They won the... Uh, they won their... They won. They went to the postseason, but uh, they got bounced in the first round by the Cardinals, I believe. Uh why I'm stuck on the Padres, I don't know. I don't know. I just probably because I was I was living down there in '98 when it all happened. When it all went down, driving down the freeway when the when the Padres clinched the uh, the AL or the NL the uh, the uh, National League pennant, and everyone on the highway was as I was driving home from work was just honking and beeping and. You know, showing signs of solidarity when we used to be Americans, when we used to be together. All right, moving on. Number 95. 95! That was the year I left for the UK. But it's also Richard Dent's number, the great Chicago Bear. I believe, was he the Super Bowl MVP as well in 85? I want to say, yeah, I think he was, Richard Dent. Uh, oh, he did, yeah. Let's see, dominant performance. I think he had a, an interception or, or, or so uh, for the 85. Yeah, that was a, let's see, that was the Bears and the Patriots. Oh, man, they just, they, yeah, they beat the Patriots like a drum. 
Well, that was a great. That was one of the great teams of all time. I mean, they were fifteen and one. Shit, they only lost to Miami, and that was Dan Marino's Dolphins too. So, uh, and that was a comeback. So they should have been sixteen. They should have ran the table. That was a good team. Jim McMahon from BYU, the non-Mormon that went to BYU, who uh, always wears wore, always wore sunglasses because as a child he accidentally stabbed himself himself in the eye with a fork. So, uh, and he was a hellraiser too. Why he went to BYU, I don't know, but he had a good college career. All right, number 93. Mm, 93, that was the year I spent, or that was the year, yeah, I spent some time in Colorado. Um, drank a lot of dark beer at a lot of microbreweries. Um, tried a little acid. Had a lot, had a good time. Um, do, 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 93. As far as players go, let me see. John Randall? Okay. I don't know. In the, see, the 90, all those, those are all defensive players, and, and, and they're great, but, but they are. That's it. I'm just going to say they're great. Because number 92, coming in at number 92, is Reggie White, the late, great Reggie White. The guy that kind of got a little racist on everybody as he was uh, <laughs> preaching as a minister. <laughs> Post-career, got a little racist on people. But uh, nevertheless, he was a, yeah, that was a great, that was a great defensive back, man. That was a, that guy was a, that guy was a beast. The Packers. And, uh, oh, Michael Strahan was 92 as well. The, uh, the all-time sacks leader at 22 and a half, which I think TJ Watt just tied that this year. Uh, that guy's a, that guy's a beast too. Um, do, do, do. 91, I was 20 years old. I had my 21st, my 21st birthday party. In 91, when I was 20. So I had all my fun in 91. All my fun in 91. Yeah, I did everything I should have done when I was 21. I did that a, a year ahead of time. But uh, for 91, we're looking at Kevin Green. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was a really, yeah, that was, that was a very intimidating back with uh, when he was with the Steelers and the Panthers. Played for a few teams. Uh, going to number 90, number 90, still in college. I, they threw me out a couple times, but I kept coming back. I was like, uh, I was just like that little kid that just, you know, just wanted to be with his mom. No, mom, I want to be with you. No. And she just keeps giving him the, giving him the boot, kicking him out of the nest. And he's like, he, he just keeps coming back. That was me. That was me at Humboldt State. They gave me the boot. The first two semesters, I kept coming back. The third semester, I was, I was golden. I was golden. And uh, so, for number ninety, number ninety, Julius Peppers. That guy was a beast too. Yeah, with the Panthers. Man, nine-time Pro Bowler. Damn. Uh, wow. He registered 10 double-digit sack seasons during his 17-year career, too. So, 
going back, going back to 89. 89, that was a big year. 89 was a big year. And, uh, of course, that was the year that I graduated high school. That was the year I qualified for the state championships in the two-mile. And, uh... That was the year I went up to Humboldt State and became a hippie. And uh, boy, eighty nine, a lot of happened. A lot happened. That was the year eighty nine. Oh, that was the year of the the World Series, the uh, Oak, the A's Giants World Series, and they had the uh, earthquake during the game. Yeah, interesting. Eighty nine, but. As far as jerseys go, Mike Ditka, Ditka. Speaking of Bears, the great tight end. You know, most people don't associate Mike Ditka with, uh, you know, great offense. Well, personally, you look at him and he looks intimidating. He looks like he'd be, he was a back, you know. He just got that mentality, that fiery kind of attitude as a back, like as a defensive back, or like a maybe a maybe a linebacker, like Erlacher, you know. But uh, no, he was a tight end. Interesting. Uh, matter of fact, I'm looking at his stats right now. 1961 for the Bears, he, he had a thousand yards. He had a thousand yards receiving. Damn. He did kickoff returns. Damn, he did it. He did quite a bit. Oh, Dicka. Dicka. So, and then, and then. Okay, here we go. 88. Now, this is where we're going to start getting into the real nitty-gritty, okay? Because now we're getting into wide receiver territory. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, let me see how. 88, that was Drew Pearson's number. The great Dallas Cowboy. That was also Michael Irvin's number. Michael Irvin's got three rings. Drew Pearson, I think he's got one. Does he have one? And they beat the Broncos? I think that was their last Super Bowl win against the Broncos. Back in the 70s. That was a good team, man. Dallas Cowboys of the 70s. Roger Staubach. Drew Pearson. Butch Johnson. Tony Dorsett. Tony Hill. Randy White. What a... That guy's a beast. Ed Tutal Jones. Just nasty. Some nasty mo... Nasty mo foes on that team. But Roger Staubach, he was my hero. That guy was my hero when I was a little... A wee little lad, a wee little, a wee little boy. But eighty-eight, they, they're showing Alan Page. Okay, all right, Alan Page. He was a beast for the Vikings, the Bears. Two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. But you also got to, oh shit, you also got to consider Tony Gonzalez and Lynn Swan, the great Lynn Swan, the guy that took ballet classes. Just so he could be a better receiver. 
and then just made some gnarly catches, particularly against um, the Rams in uh, the Super Bowl against the Rams. Their uh, Terry Bradshaw's final Super Bowl win. Boy, that was another great team, man. You got Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Terry Bradshaw, Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris, Roy Blount, Mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, the Steel Curtain. You couldn't get through that defense. Uh, but as far as Pro Football Hall of Famers, boy, 88, Alan Page. All right, I'll give it up. I'll give it up. 87, they got Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> That's the best 87 they got. You know, really? I mean, I love Gronk, man. He is one of the greats. He'll go down as one of the greats. But what about Dwight Clark? What about Dave Casper? I mean, a strong case could be made that he is the best tight end in NFL history, Gronkowski. He's got the rings to prove it, but yeah, don't rest on Dwight Clark. The late, great Dwight Clark, he died of brain cancer, brain tumor. And uh, and Dave Casper, two great tight ends. Um, and 80, they, okay. Oh, yeah. And then the year 87. Well, the year 88, 88, what happened in the year 88? Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. Although I think I got pulled over in front of my high school for a speeding ticket in 88. 87, that was a good year. Wally Joyner was still a California Angel. He hit 34 home runs, 117 RBIs. Uh, but he, let's see, how many hits did he have? He was, his hit, hit total went down to like 161, I think, from the previous year of... 172. So, 87, 87. What else happened in 87? Was that McGuire's rookie year? Yeah, that was McGuire. That was Mark McGuire's rookie year. 49 home runs, 118 RBIs. Just barely beat out Wally World. Man, 87. Man, I was living in Rockland for a little while at, at the time. I think, yeah. Is it 80? 87? Yeah, because I would have been a sophomore? That sounds about right. I don't know. All those, all those years blur together, but... 86. The number 86. They got Buck Buchanan from the Chiefs. Pro Football Hall of Famer Super Bowl champion. Okay, let's give it up for him. You got Heinz Ward, the great Steeler. But what else you got? What else you got? 86. That's Butch Johnson's number. The great cowboy receiver. And uh, I think he, was with, he played for the Broncos as well for a short stint. But 86. 86. That was a good year. 86. That was uh, Jose Canseco's rookie year. 33 home runs, 117 RBIs. Wally World, his rookie year. He had 22 home runs. Home runs, 100 RBIs, batted 290, and uh, 86, yep, that was my, no, that was my sophomore year, well, yeah, 
freshman sophomore. I came up, yeah, I came into high school 85, 86. It was 85, 86, yeah. So what do they got for 85? Number 85, Jack Youngblood. I remember him from the L.A. Rams when they played the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Terry Bradshaw, his last appearance, and it was against Jack Youngblood and uh, Vince Ferragamo of the L.A. Rams. And uh, that was a good team. They had, uh, what was his name, Nolan Cromwell. Safety, the safety, uh, Nolan, was it Nolan Cromwell? And Wendell Tyler, what a great back. But they just didn't, they couldn't match it. They couldn't match the Steelers that year. And they got, uh, yeah, they got thumped. 30, I think it was like 31-19 or something. I think that was one of the first Super Bowls I'd, was that one of the first Super Bowls I watched? Like 79, yeah, that sounds about right. <sighs> what other but what other great 85s are there? Nick Bonaconti, of course, from the 72 Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gates. Yeah. Yeah. The great the uh, great Charger tight end. And Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson changed his name to Ocho Cinco, which translated means 85, not 85, just 85. <laughs> All right, oh Jesus, oh gee, oh gee. We're getting into some good stuff here now, folks. Well, but lo and behold, I've got to, I've got to cut this one a little short. We're getting into this is going to be a two-parter, so I'm going to pick up where we left off, but I'm, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up in the '80s, which was a weird decade, and there's a lot of great receivers with the, in, you know, but still. Wore the eighty something number, you know. Nowadays it's all like, you know, you got Stefan Diggs who's number one, you got Julian Edelman who's eleven. Just weird receiver numbers, but but uh, I'll pick up next week or uh, what day is it? Thursday. Is this gonna come out on Thursday? Yeah. So I'll, I'll pick back up on uh, on Monday. Ah, we'll see what happens. Who knows? But there, we got a we got a good weekend of football coming up, and then I'm gonna do a little wrap up, and then we'll we'll continue with the list. We'll keep it going, keep it going, folks. And uh, but uh, anyway, that's that's what I got so far. That's what I got so far. And uh, what else did I miss? Anything? No. Just uh, just my little TED talk on drugs and football and uh, like I say if you play this episode backwards you uh, it'll tell you how to get half off a um, a uh, family sized Mountain Mike's pepperoni pizza so um, so the minute this stops just 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 hit the rewind button right <laughs> do people even have rewind buttons anymore is that a thing anymore like what's going on like what's really going on all right, folks, I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.